BibleTalk.tv presents The Tabernacle, Part 3. Going inside the tabernacle through the curtains is only allowed if you are a priest from the tribe of Levi. The priests assume the duties inside the first room called the Holy Place. We will examine those duties as we observe and inspect each of the furnishings. The Holy Place, first room of the tabernacle, sometimes referred to as the Golden Room, was 22 and a half feet high by 22 and a half feet wide and 45 feet long. Unlike the outer court furnishings made of brass and which dealt with washings, judgments, and death, the holy place was about life, food, and incense. Passing through the curtain, we notice three important pieces of furniture, the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, and the altar of incense. On the north or right side of the holy place was the table of showbread. It was sometimes referred to as shoe bread or bread of the presence. Interestingly, it is the first mention of the word table in the Bible. It stood for communication and fellowship. The showbread was to be shared among the priests, linking food, communication, and fellowship, which drew the priests closer to each other, their devotions, as well as their duties to the tabernacle. Again, we find acacia wood as the base material, but this time the table is covered with pure gold, not bronze or brass. All of the furniture in the holy place is covered with gold, a material worthy of the king of creation. The table of showbread was three feet long by one and a half feet wide by two and a quarter feet high. It was about the size of a coffee table. The table had a border called a crown, around the table's top. Crowns were associated with power and authority of a king to rule. It helped in transporting the showbread to prevent spilling of the bread. The table was made of acacia wood and gold-covered poles, which remained attached to the table. During transport, the table was hidden with a blue cloth, which represented heavenly things. The crown was measured in a hand's breadth, instead of cubits. It was about six inches high and the only measurement in the tabernacle not in cubits. It enclosed 12 loaves of showbread, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Again, we must rely on various artists' renditions of the table of showbread as well as the showbread itself. No one knows the exact shape of the loaves of the presence or the showbread. Some scholars believe that the bread might have been artistic as were the other tabernacle furnishings. As to the shape of the showbread, rabbinical writings suggest the loaves were works of art, a two-sided box, upper flaps pushed, a narrow hull, sides rising straight. These were alternate shapes in addition to the traditional flat cakes or loaves called common bread. Leviticus 24, 5-9 lists the recipe and instructions concerning the bread of the presence. Cakes or loaves baked of fine flour, about 18 and a half cups per loaf, sifted at least twice or more, with no imperfections or lumps, representing divine perfection. Showbread means bread of the face, as these were set out before the face of God in front of the Holy of Holies. Exodus 25, 30. 
and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. The table was in the holy place, while God occupied the holy of holies. Its loaves were hallowed because God sanctified, set them apart, as mentioned in 1 Samuel 21.6. In the New Testament, Jesus referred to himself as the living bread. Twelve loaves were shared by the priests and the high priest after they were replaced each Sabbath day. Every seven days symbolized complete perfection. God created everything in seven days, including a day in which he ceased to create. Rabbinical writings claim that this bread was just as fresh and warm as it was when it was placed on the table seven days prior. The loaves were then divided with the high priest getting five loaves and the remaining loaves going to the Levites serving in the tabernacle duties that week. They were to eat them in the holy place. It was a communion time with God. Eating a meal in God's house reminded them that God was in fellowship and at peace with his people, a shadow of Christians and the Lord's Supper. Frankincense was placed on each stack of showbread. Frankincense was the aromatic resin used with incense and perfumes. Symbolizing equality, each stack of bread was to be exactly the same size and weight. The estimated weight of the cakes was one pound. The Talmud said the loaves had to be baked and the priests were to arrange them in two stacks of six loaves each, corresponding to the twelve tribes of Israel. They were to place them on the table while still hot and fresh. It was against the law to bake the bread on the Sabbath since it was considered work. So they had to bake the showbread before 6 a.m. on Saturday, which was the beginning of the Hebrew day. Pure frankincense was placed on each stack of bread. It was used as a sweet perfume to please God. Each stack was to be exactly the same size and weight, demonstrating God's impartiality in regard to the twelve tribes. There were four vessels on the table of showbread. Dishes, or bread plates, pans or spoons to sprinkle the frankincense, pitchers for the liquid offerings, and bowls to hold the frankincense. Jesus became the showbread for Christians. We are allowed to feast on the true bread from heaven, God's word. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. John 6.35 Jesus became showbread. John 6.51 I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. God commanded that a golden lampstand was to be placed on the south side of the holy place. It is no coincidence that the Hebrew word for south means bright and radiant. Across from the table of showbread, the bright and radiant side, stood the source of light inside the holy place. It shined the light on the ceiling and on the veil which led to the Holy of Holies. This would always be a reminder to the Israelites that there was still a separation between man and God. There were three types of light in the tabernacle complex. In the courtyard, natural light, the sun, furnished all the outside illumination. Inside the tabernacle, exclusively in the holy place, the inward light was provided by the golden lampstand. Finally, the holy of holies where God dwelt was glory the divine light of God. It even had its own name, the Shekinah. 
John described the Shekinah in his vision while in exile on the Isle of Patmos. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. Revelation 21, 22, and 23. The golden lampstand was a necessary, special, and very important part of the tabernacle furnishing. Beside the Ark of the Covenant, it's probably the most recognizable piece of the tabernacle complex. It is sometimes referred to as the golden candlestick or the candelabrium. Both names, though, are incorrect. Candles were not invented until about 200 B.C. The correct name is the Hebrew word menorah, which means light bearer. It is still used today in Hebrew ceremonies and on feast days like Hanukkah, the festival of lights. The shedding of light from the lampstand was to one shed light on front of itself, thus displaying its beauty and its reflection from the golden boards, Exodus twenty-five thirty-seven. Shedding light on the table of showbread was number two, making visible the ornateness and the craftsmanship of God's design and his empowering of the Hebrew builders, Exodus twenty-six thirty-five. Shedding light before the Lord, the light was continually shining on God's presence, reminding us of his continuing concern for all of his people at all times, Exodus forty twenty-five. The golden lampstand was a very valuable light. It was to be made from a single block of pure gold. The gold was to weigh one talent, 75 to 100 pounds, depending on the research sources. At the time of this documentary, gold was trading at about $1,900 per ounce. In today's value, this would be approximately $30,400 a pound, which means it would be worth over $3 million. It was not to be cast from a mold, but formed by the divinely guided hands of the Hebrew artists, thus making it more valuable and precious than any dollar amount. The golden lampstand and all of its artwork, the shaft, the branches, the bowls, knops, and flowers were to be beaten. Scholars are still amazed at the skill required to hammer and form this piece out of one solid block of gold. The symbolic analogy points to Christ beating and hammering of the nails at the cross and still coming out as perfection. The utensils used to dress the lamp were also to be beaten out of gold. To keep the lamp burning from evening until sunrise needed special tools. They were used exclusively by the high priest to attend and maintain the lampstand. Leviticus 24, 1-4 The specified tools were the golden pitcher, the golden tongs, and the snuff dishes or censers. We know nothing of the lamp's true dimension except for its weight and its appearance. Jewish tradition assigns it a height of about five feet and a width of about three and a half feet. We see an artistic rendition of it in the carving of the Arch of Titus in Rome, which details the sacking of the temple in 70 A.D. God did specify how he wished his lamp to be made. What did this golden lampstand look like? There was a shaft. This was the center column of the lampstand. Attached to the shaft were branches, three on each side. 
Keep in mind, this is made from one piece with no seams, only one continuous part. Six branches and a shaft, each containing a bowl for oil. The connection between Jesus and the lampstand is obvious. John 15, 5, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. Why six branches? Six, in Hebrew's number system, stood for man, and the center shaft made the lamp complete. The number seven represented completion or perfection, which referred to Jesus, John eight twelve. Jesus said he was the light of the world. The lampstand brought light into darkness, and so did the Christ, John 1, 4, and 5. The decorations on the lampstand were bowls or calyx, knops or buds, and flowers or cups. The bowls were patterned after an open almond flower. Almonds were the first thing to bloom in the spring, and to the Hebrews it meant the awakening. An almond branch settled the people's mutiny against Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 17. God caused Aaron's rod to bloom, flower, and produce almonds to show God's approval of Aaron to be the high priest. The 33 bowls, the ends of the branches, each contained about nine ounces of pure olive oil and a wick. The high priest would trim the wicks and add more oil so the lamps would not go out. It may or may not be true, but tradition claims that the wicks were made from old robes of the priests. There was a particular routine in lighting and trimming of the bowls. This was in conjunction with the morning sacrifices. The first light to be lit was the shamash. It was the center lamp in the stem. The rest were lit from right to left. Fire from the altar of the sacrifice carried in a censer was used to light the shamash and the other bowls were lit from the fire of the shamish. The last piece of furniture in the holy place was the golden altar, or the altar of incense. This was not to be confused with the altar of sacrifice, which was located in the outer court. It was built like the showbread table, acacia wood and covered in gold. It was one cubit square by two cubits high, that is 18 inches square and three feet high. Its top ledge was a crown of gold and a gold horn on each corner. It was located in front and close to the veil, the final curtain. It was as close to God as anyone was allowed to be, with the exception of the high priest on the Day of Atonement. The smoke from the incense was to provide a special sweet smell rising to God. David asked for his prayers to be set before God as incense. Later, it was symbolized in prayers of the saints rising to God in Revelation 5.8. The priest would bring fire from the sacrificial altar in a censer to burn the incense inside the holy place. No other fire was ever allowed to be kindled. It was always to come from the bronze altar because God miraculously and originally lit the first fire in the sacrificial altar, Leviticus 9.24. Remember, the fire was to be perpetual, never to be extinguished. Offering the wrong fire cost the lives of Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, who offered a strange fire. God provided a special blend of incense, specifying each exact ingredient. There were three rich and rare spices, not identifiable today. These were mixed with frankincense, 
beaten into a fine powder, and then salt was added. God commanded that no other incense was to be burned on the altar, and only this incense was to be burned on the golden altar. Violation of any part of this ritual was punishable by death. This special blend of incense was not to be used privately by the Hebrew people. Violators would be cut off from the Israelite nation. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would bring the blood from the sacrificial altar to the altar of incense. He would then apply it to the horns of the altar to cleanse it. It was to be used on the mercy seat, but more about that in our next lesson, the Holy of Holies.